Welcome back to Bedtime Stories with Celosia Crane. Today we're going to continue with our Christmas fairy tale series, and I will be sharing with you three fairy tales today. Babushka, The Cat on the Davrafel, and The Legend of the Thunder Oak. We are going to start with Babushka, which is a Russian fairy tale. If you were a Russian child, you would not watch to see Santa Claus come down the chimney, but you would stand by the windows to catch a peep at poor Babushka as she hurries by. Who is Babushka? Is she Santa Claus's wife? No, indeed. She is only a poor little crooked, wrinkled old woman who comes at Christmas time into everybody's house, who peeps into every cradle, turns back every coverlid, drops a tear on the baby's white pillow, and goes away very sorrowfully. And not only at Christmas time, but through all the cold winter, and especially in March, when the wind blows loud and whistles and howls and dies away like a sigh, the Russian children hear the rustling step of the babushka. She is always in a hurry. One hears her running fast along the crowded streets and over the quiet country fields. She seems to be out of breath and tired. Yet she hurries on. Whom is she trying to overtake? She scarcely looks at the little children as they press their rosy faces to the window pane and whisper to each other, Is the babushka looking for us? No. She will not stop. Only on Christmas Eve will she come upstairs into the nursery and give each little one a present. You must not think she leaves handsome gifts such as Santa Claus brings you. She does not bring bicycles to the boys or French dolls to the girls. She does not come in a gay little sleigh drawn by reindeer, but hobbling along on foot, and she leans on a crutch. She has her old apron filled with candy and cheap toys, and the children all love her dearly. They watch to see her come, and when one hears a rustling, he cries, Lo, the babushka! Then all others look, but one must turn one's head very quickly, or she vanishes. I never saw her myself. Best of all, she loves little babies, and often when the tired mothers sleep, she bends over their cradles, puts her brown wrinkled face close down to the pillow, and looks very sharply. What is she looking for? Ah, that you can't guess, unless you know her sad story. Long, long ago, a great many yesterdays ago, the babushka, who was even then an old woman, was busy sweeping her little hut. She lived in the coldest corner of cold Russia, and she lived alone in a lonely place where four wide roads met. These roads were at this time white with snow, for it was winter time. 
In the summer, when the fields were full of flowers and the air full of sunshine and singing birds, Babushka's home did not seem so very quiet. But in the winter, with only the snowflakes and the shy snowbirds and the loud wind for company, the little old woman felt very cheerless. But she was a busy old woman, and as it was already twilight and her home but half swept, she felt in a great hurry to finish her work before bedtime. You must know that Babushka was poor and could not afford to do her work by candlelight. Presently, down the widest and the lonesomest of the white roads, there appeared a long train of people coming. They were walking slowly and seemed to be asking each other questions as to which way they should take. As the procession came nearer and finally stopped outside the little hut, Babushka was frightened at the splendor. There were three kings with crowns on their heads, and the jewels on the king's breastplates sparkled like sunlight. Their heavy fur cloaks were white with the falling snowflakes, and the queer humpy camels on which they rode looked white as milk in the snowstorm. The harness on the camels was decorated with gold and plates of silver adorned the saddles. The saddle clothes were of the richest eastern stuffs, and all the servants had the dark eyes and hair of an eastern people. The slaves carried heavy loads on their back, and each of the three kings carried a present. One carried a beautiful transparent jar, and in the fading light Babushka could see in it a golden liquid which she knew from its color must be myrrh. Another had in his hand a richly woven bag, and it seemed to be heavy, as indeed it was, for it was full of gold. The third had a stone vase in his hand, from which the rich perfume filled the snowy air. One could guess the vase to have been filled with incense. Babushka was terribly frightened, so she hid herself in her hut, and let the servants knock a long time at her door before she dared open it and answer their questions as to the road they should take to a faraway town. You know she had never studied a geography lesson in her life, was old and stupid, and scared. She knew the way across the fields to the nearest village, but she knew nothing else of all the wide world full of cities. The servants scolded, but the three kings spoke kindly to her and asked her to accompany them on their journey that she might show them the way as far as she knew it. They told her, in words so simple that she could not fail to understand, that they had seen a star in the sky and were following it to a little town where a young child lay. The snow was in the sky now, and the star was lost out of sight. "'Who is the child?' asked the old woman. "'He is a king, and we go to worship him,' they answered. "'These presents of gold, frankincense, and myrrh are for him. "'When we find him, we will take the crowns off our heads and lay them at his feet. "'Come with us, Babushka.' "'What do you suppose?' Shouldn't you have thought the poor little woman would have been glad to leave her desolate home on the plains to accompany these kings on their journey? But the foolish woman shook her head. No, the night was dark and cheerless, and her little home was warm and cozy. She looked up into the sky, and the star was nowhere to be seen. Besides, she wanted to put her hut in order. Perhaps she would be ready to go tomorrow. But the three kings could not wait. So when tomorrow's sun rose, they were far ahead on their journey. It seemed like a dream to poor Babushka, 
for even the tracks of the camel's feet were covered by the deep white snow. Everything was the same as usual, and to make sure that the night's visitors had not been a fancy, she found her old broom hanging on a peg behind the door where she had put it when the servants knocked. Now that the sun was shining, and she remembered the glitter of the gold and the smell of the sweet gums and myrrh, she wished she had gone with the travelers. And she thought a great deal about the little baby the three kings had gone to worship. She had no children of her own. Nobody loved her. Ah, but if she had only gone. The more she brooded on the thought, the more miserable she grew, till the very sight of her home became hateful to her. It is a dreadful feeling to realize that one has lost a chance of happiness. There is a feeling called remorse that can gnaw like a sharp little tooth. Babushka felt this little tooth cut into her heart every time she remembered the visit of the three kings. After a while, the thought of the little child became her first thought at waking and her last at night. One day she shut the door of her house forever and set out on a long journey. She had no hope of overtaking the three kings, but she longed to find the child, that she too might love and worship him. She asked everyone she met, and some people thought her crazy, but others gave her kind answers. Have you perhaps guessed that the young child whom the three kings thought was our lord himself? People told Babushka how he was born in a manger, and many other things which you children have learned long ago. These answers puzzled the old dame mightily, but she had put one idea in her ignorant head. The three kings had gone to seek a baby. She would, if not too late, seek him too. She forgot, I am sure, how many long years had gone by. She looked in vain for the Christ child in his manger cradle. She spent all her little savings and toys and candy so as to make friends with little children that they might not run away when she came hobbling into their nurseries. Now you know for whom she is sadly seeking when she pushes back the bed curtains and bends down over each baby's pillow. Sometimes, when the old grandmother sits nodding by the fire and the bigger children sleep in their beds, old Babushka comes hobbling into the room and whispers softly, Is the young child here? Ah, no, she has come too late too late. But the little children know her and love her. Two thousand years ago she lost the chance of finding him. Crooked, wrinkled, old, sick and sorry, she yet lives on, looking into each baby's face, always disappointed, always seeking. Will she find him at last? The Cat on the Dovrefell, a Norwegian Christmas tale by Asbjornsen and Mo. Once on a time there was a man up in Finnmark who had caught a great white bear, which he was going to take to the king of Denmark. Now it so fell out that he came to the Dovrefell just about Christmas Eve, and there he turned into a cottage where a man lived, whose name was Halvor and asked the man if he could get house-room there for his bear and himself. "'Heaven never help me if what I say isn't true,' said this man. "'But we can't give anyone house-room just now, for every Christmas Eve such a pack of trolls come down upon us that we are forced to flit, 
and haven't so much as a house over our own heads, to say nothing of lending one to anyone else. Oh, said the man, if that's all, you can very well lend me your house. My bear can lie under the stove yonder, and I can sleep in the side room. Well, he begged so hard that at last he got leave to stay there. So the people of the house flitted out, and before they went, everything was got ready for the trolls. The tables were laid, and there was rice porridge and fish boiled in lye and sausages, and all else that was good, just as for any other grand feast. So when everything was ready, down came the trolls. Some were great and some were small, some had long tails and some had no tails at all. Some, too, had long, long noses, and they ate and drank and tasted everything. Just then, one of the little trolls caught sight of the white bear, who lay under the stove. So he took a piece of sausage and stuck it on a fork, and went and poked it up against the bear's nose, screaming out, Pussy, will you have some sausage? Then the white bear rose up and growled and hunted the whole pack of them out of doors, both great and small. Next year, Halvor was out in the wood, on the afternoon of Christmas Eve, cutting wood before the holidays, for he thought the trolls would come again, and just as he was hard at work, he heard a voice in the wood calling out, Halvor! Halvor! Well, said Halvor, here I am. Have you got your big cat with you still? Yes, I have, said Halvor. She's lying at home under the stove, and what's more, she has now got seven kittens, far bigger and fiercer than she is herself. Oh, then we'll never come to see you again, bawled out the troll away in the wood. And he kept his word, for since that time, the trolls have never eaten their Christmas burrows with Halvor on the Davrafell. Legend of the Thunder Oak, a Scandinavian tale by William S. Walsh. When the heathen raged through the forests of the ancient Northland, there grew a giant tree branching with huge limbs toward the clouds. It was the thunder oak of the war god Thor. Thither, under cover of night, heathen priests were wont to bring their victims, both men and beasts, and slay them upon the altar of the thunder god. There, in the darkness, was wrought many an evil deed, while human blood was poured forth and watered the roots of that gloomy tree, from whose branches depended the mistletoe, the fateful plant that sprang from the blood-fed veins of the oak. So gloomy and terror-ridden was the spot on which grew the tree that no beasts of field or forest would lodge beneath its dark branches, nor would birds nest or perch among its gnarled limbs. Long, long ago, on a white Christmas Eve, Thor's priests held their winter rites beneath the thunder oak. Through the deep snow of the dense forest hastened throngs of heathen folk, all intent on keeping the mystic feast of the mighty Thor. In the hush of the night the folk gathered in the glade where stood the tree. Closely they pressed around the great altar stone under the overhanging boughs where stood the white-robed priests. Clearly, shone the moonlight on all. Then from the altar flashed upward the sacrificial flames, casting their lurid glow on the straining faces of the human victims awaiting the blow of the priest's knife. But the knife never fell, 
for from the silent avenues of the dark forest came the good Saint Winfred and his people. Swiftly, the saint drew from his girdle a shining axe. Fiercely, he smote the thunder oak, hewing a deep gash in its trunk. And while the heathen folk gazed in horror and wonder, the bright blade of the axe circled faster and faster around St. Woodfred's head, and the flakes of wood flew far and wide from the deepening cut in the body of the tree. Suddenly there was heard overhead the sound of a mighty rushing wind. A whirling blast struck the tree. It gripped the oak from its foundations. Backward it fell like a tower, groaning as it split into four pieces. But just behind it, unharmed by the ruin, stood a young fir tree, pointing its green spire to heaven. St. Winfred dropped his axe and turned to speak to the people. Joyously, his voice rang out through the crisp winter air. This little tree, a young child of the forest, shall be your holy tree tonight. It is the tree of peace, for your houses are built of fir. It is the sign of endless life, for its leaves are forever green. See how it points upward to heaven. Let this be called the tree of the Christ child. Gather about it, not in the wildwood, but in your own homes. There it will shelter no deeds of blood, but loving gifts of rights and kindness. So shall the peace of the white Christ reign in your hearts. And with songs of joy, the multitude of heathen folk took up the little fir tree and bore it to the house of their chief. And there with goodwill and peace, they kept the holy Christmas tide. That is the end of today's episode. I hope you enjoyed these three Christmas fairy tales from around the world. And I will be back next week with more. Bedtime Stories with Celosia Crane is produced solely through the support of my patrons on Patreon. To become a patron for as little as $1 a month, please visit www.patreon.com forward slash Celosia Crane. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to connect with me further, you can find me on Instagram at Celosia Crane underscore author. Link is in the show notes.